You are now listening to Discover Your Potential with radio talk show host Dan Gilman, Cindy Gilman's son. So listen, participate, be inspired, know that you can discover your potential. Here is Dan Gilman. Welcome, everyone. I am Dan Gilman with Discover Your Potential, and I have a very special guest for you today. And I just wanted to read you a quote. My mother always started a show with with a quick quote, uh, or maybe not so quick for her, but quick quote for me. Successful people see adversity as a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block. And that's by Sean Anker. Acker, actually, sorry. And I wanted to introduce uh, a very special guest, uh, Devin Rodriguez. And Devin, hi, it's good for you. Thank you so much for, for you to be here today. Truly well, Dan, appreciate it. how could I turn down such an offer? This is amazing. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Oh, well, it's very exciting. Uh, and for people that, that don't know Devin, uh, I, I wanted to actually introduce, well, first, first off, uh, previously you've mentioned that you had an upbringing and you describe it as tumultuous. And I'm just curious, you were relentlessly bullied, unfortunately, as a child. And I can relate actually, cause I went through something very similar, but for years you felt, you know, that, that you, what you went through as a child, um, obviously affected you but and and but you found a sense of purpose especially in what you're doing now so i'd love to hear about that and also too um because I, I read a lot about you uh your grandfather also served i know in the marines and you learned a lot from your grandfather but we'll well i'll go back to that question but i'm really curious as to you know how you found a sense of purpose and in, in servicing others yeah dan and and absolutely i'll start off with where you initially touched on which was my childhood and how you described it as tumultuous i know which article you read because there is only one that i in which i used the word tumultuous but that is a perfect way to describe my childhood it was tumultuous mm. and the way that my childhood began was in a position of uncertainty in which my biological father him and my mother were not together he was abusive towards my mother. He did bad things to my mother and so forth. Just wasn't a good man. So my mother and him didn't live together. And on my third birthday, this was the last time that I saw him. They weren't living together. So my mom still wanted to give him the opportunity to give me a birthday present, still give him a chance to be in my life. So we met at a, I think it was a, a Pathmark. I, I forgot what it was called. One of these grocery stores, Pathmart. I don't know. Who knows? But anyways, we met at a grocery store, and he walked up to the car. This was my third birthday. I don't remember anything else from being that young except for this. He walked up. My mother cracked the back window about halfway down. He handed me a pair of jeans through the window. Now, I'm a, I'm a stern believer that sometimes in life, a look can communicate so much more than words could ever say. Yeah. And he handed me those jeans and he walked away. And about 20 feet later, he turned around and he just stared at me. Oh. And I didn't understand this at the time, but that was the stare, the look of a father who had no intention of ever being in his son's life. So my mother was the one who raised me alongside my grandmother, Bruna and Francesco. They're straight from Italy, barely spoke any English. The people are listening to this saying, your last name is Rodriguez. What are you telling me, Italy? 
okay, excuse me, but my biological father was Panamanian and my mother and her family were Italian. So that is where the Italian comes from, folks. But anyways, they raised me, and then at the age of around four or five, a bonus father came into my life. You see, a stepfather is someone that comes into our life and plays the role of dad. A bonus father is somebody that was placed in your life by God to be your dad. And well, when he married my mom, we ended up moving to a new neighborhood, and Dan, oh Dan, I thought it was gonna be the best time of my life. Mm. I mean, an opportunity to make new friends, an opportunity to play new sports, an opportunity to be in a new school. This was all cool to me. And I'll never forget it, the first day of class, the teacher introduced me to everybody. Hi class, this is Devin. I just want you all to say hi to him, and Devin say hi to the class. And I waved and I said, hi class, how are you? And once again, the looks that can communicate so much more than words could ever say. Not one other person responded to me and said hi back. And I could feel as their eyes just pierced my soul. And I went home that day and I said, Mom, I don't know what's happening. They didn't even say hi, Mom. Said, Devin, of course they didn't. They just have to get used to you. Give them some time. I said, okay, mommy, as I was only in the second grade. But even when we're that young, we, we could sense things. Yeah. And what that turned into was every day for six years of my life, battling racism, bullying, neglect, abuse, the whole gamut of things down that line. I was scared to wake up and go to school. And Dan, for six years of my life, that's what it was like. It was tumultuous, a lot of beatings. But you know what hurt even more than the scars that people could see were the scars that nobody could see, the invisible scars of what I came to believe of myself and who I thought I was and my self-worth and how worthless I thought I was. To give everybody an idea, I hated the color of my skin so much that I, my parents ended up telling me, they, now, mind you, I'm not Irish at all, but the, the community that I was raised in was 100% Irish, so I just wanted anything in the world to be like them. I went home one day after going through what I went through on a daily basis, being called chocolate milk, fat boy, the N-word, the whole nine yards. I said, Mom, I can't do this anymore. I hate the color of my skin. I just wish I looked like them. And they said, Son, we have some news to tell you. I said, What is it? And my dad turns and he says, Devin, you're Irish. I said, I'm Irish? You always told me I was Italian and Panamanian, Dad. This was in about the fifth grade. He says, no, actually, you're Irish, too. I said, don't you tell me that. Are you serious? And he said, yes. And I got so excited, Dan, that I was finally Irish. Oh, my God. So I went around the entire school telling everybody, I'm Irish, I'm Irish, I'm Irish. Oh, I'm Irish. Because I thought that that would enable people to start to actually like me. And it would give me a sense of self-worth. But what actually happened was that, number one, nobody believed I was Irish. And then, number two, I didn't feel any better. So I went to my parents and I said, I I have to ask you something. And before they even said anything else, they said, ah, you finally found out. And I said, what? That you're not Irish. I said, why would you do that to me, mom? Why would you do that to me, dad? And they said, well, because we had to give you something that could give you some hope. So that's where I was. I hated myself to the point where my parents had to lie to me about who I was in order to give me some hope. But hey, there's a really good quote by Walter Elliott. He says that perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races, one after the other. Every day was one of those long races. But the thing that I've come to understand is that if you're willing and capable to outlast the pain that you go through, it's only inevitable that you're going to win because it is impossible to beat a person that never 
quits. And in the eighth grade, I was nominated the school president six years later, nominated the school president by the same exact kids who put me through hell for those six years. So I won, Dan. I won and I came out on top simply because I just did not quit and I outlasted the pain. The devil just said, I got to start looking for somebody else because he's not going to give up. Wow. Uh, that that uh, resonates with me because I, I went through something uh, similar, actually. So uh, also, I, I, I mentioned before, you, you know, that your grandfather uh, served in the Marine Corps. And uh, were you really close? Were you close with your grandfather? Oh, absolutely. I was close with all of my grandparents, really. And my grandfather, this was the the father of my bonus father, as we call him. He's just my dad, Louie. Yeah. And that's and the thing is, is that he lived right upstairs from us. We had a multifamily house, and my grandpa Jack lived right upstairs from us. And yeah, we were very close with one another. And do you feel like he he changed your life in many ways? Your oh, absolutely. I feel like all of my grandparents have changed my life in a multitude of ways. And him. I mean, he was just the most, a couple of things that I took away from Grandpa Jack mm -hmm. was that, number one, he was just very selfless. He always was looking out for literally everybody. Mm -hmm. If anybody needed something, you need, a, you, need, you need to borrow a couple thousand dollars, okay, here you go, take a couple down. He wasn't a rich guy. He worked for New York City. He had a couple of pensions, but he wasn't, he wasn't a baller. But mm -hmm. if he had money, he was going to give it to you so that you were doing okay. That's number one. Number two, mm -hmm. the second thing I really learned from him was to live with no regrets because just days before he died, on September 11th of 2018, I want to say, I turned mm -hmm. to him and I said, Grandpa, he was 88 at the time. Do you have any regrets? He says, the only thing I regret was allowing my wife to convince me to get out of the, the Marine Corps. She didn't want to go down there to, to, I think it was Camp Pendleton with me, and I wish I would have done it. He said, just do what you want to do. Do what you love doing, and don't let anybody else tell you anything differently. Now, he went on to have a great life, him and his wife, so he's not saying don't do what your wife wants you to do. Right. But what he is saying is don't look back one day and wish you would have done things. And then lastly, I mean, some of the uh, strength, strength. Because some of the things that he's told me, I said, Grandpa, are you afraid of dying? And he hmm. said, Devin, why the hell would I be afraid of death if I had a, a Japanese soldier chasing me at 2 o'clock in the morning with a bayonet trying to stab me in my back? Scared of death, come on. So hmm. he was just fearless. He lived his life. And he came to this point where he sat upstairs with him and his Maltese dog and hung out, played cards, and just had a good time. And what it really showed me was that Eventually, there will come a point where you feel good enough in who you are to look back and say, I've really done it all. I've done what I've wanted to. But, but that's a conscious decision. My grandfather lived that full life. And it is a good quote by uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. He says, don't die old, die empty. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's one of the things that my grandfather did, not because of what he did in his life, but because of what he did with his life. Mm. That's incredible. And um, you're, uh, you're also, you mentioned you're still active in the military, uh, but you're, you're right now a motivational speaker, a coach, an ultra marathon runner. What can you explain an ultra marathon runner? I'm sure I'm Dan, an ultra marathon is simply anything that is 
technically over 26.2 miles. That wow. was 26.2 is a marathon, but there are ultra marathons that go on up to 500 miles. So wow. it, it's a, a wide vary of distance. But yes, I do compete in, and I have won. I've won one before, which is pretty cool too. So that's great. Yeah, I, I love doing that, Dan. Have you have you gone to the Boston Marathon at all? I've Just never run a marathon. The, oh, you never. Oh, okay. I never ran a marathon. No, that would be that's in the that's in the future, Dan. I'm looking nice. forward to that. I'd love I to said wave the hell to you. With that. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> skip that, Dan, and we're just gonna go for longer. Yeah, <laughs> nice. What? I'm just curious. What led you to become a motivational speaker? Uh, and 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 also, I know you're working with uh, some incredible people, especially uh, Les Brown as as one of your mentors. Well, what really changed me was a question that my, that Louie, my dad asked me, mm -hmm. he called me out of my room and I was 15, I was 15, 16, a sophomore in, in high school. All in the world that I cared about was video games. Mm. My dad, I'm in my room. It's, it's one or two o'clock at night and I'm playing call of duty. That's all that I care about is call of duty. And I'm just playing the games. Devin, I make believe like I don't even hear my dad. And I just keep playing. I have big headphones on just like these. Devin, get out here. And I tell my friends, because we have a whole group that plays. I say, guys, listen, my dad's calling me. I don't know what the heck he wants from me this late at night, but I'll be right back. I go out to the living room, and they're at the dining room table. And he says, Devin, take a seat. I say, Dad, listen, I'm playing the game with my friends. I really don't want to take a seat right now. If I don't go back, we're going to lose. He says, Devin, sit down. I need to ask you something. And then I started to get a little curious. So I said, Dad, is everything okay? He says, yes, son, everything's okay. I just have to ask you a question. So I sat down. I said, Dad, what, what's, what's going on? And he says, Devin, I want to ask you this, and I want an honest answer. I said, okay. He said, Devin, what makes you any different from anybody who's ever achieved something great in this world? And as soon as he said that, I basically tuned him out. I said, Dad, what are you talking about? Or, or have you not slept enough? I know it's one or two o'clock, but this is pretty normal for you. What can I knock on your head? Why are you asking me this? He said, son, answer the question. I said, dad, listen, I don't know what makes me different from people who have achieved greatness. I look at my school in high school, the kids that are at the top of the class, they're just gifted. They're just smart. This is just how they are. And the rest of us, this is just how we are. So unfortunately, I can't do what they do because they were born that way. And he says, Devin, never forget what I'm about to tell you. Okay, Dad, what is it? He says, anybody who's ever achieved anything great puts on their pants one leg at a time just like you do. Anybody who's ever achieved anything great puts on their shirt one arm at a time just like you do. So what makes you different? <laughs> I said, Dad, listen. I hear you, okay? I, can I just go back to playing some Call of Duty? He said, okay, son, you can go now. Well, there was there's some things in life that people say to us that keep us up at night. And that was literally what happened that night. I'm the type of guy, Dan, I hit the bed, I'm gone two seconds later. That night, I couldn't fall asleep. And finally, when I started to doze off, I started to hear my dad's voice saying, there is nothing different. There is nothing different. There is nothing different. And then it wasn't until it kept going on and I rose up out of my, my bed and I literally screamed, stop, 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 that the voice calmed down and went away as if to say, finally, you have acknowledged me. Mm. And what I noticed when that instance happened, it was, it, was with, it was the greatness within me that was looking for recognition. 
And when that happened, I started to question what my dad said. I said, what if I'm really no different? What if he's right? I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and, and find out if he's right. So I started listening to some motivational videos and motivational tapes. And I started listening to Eric Thomas and Les Brown and Gary Vaynerchuk and Inky Johnson and all of these guys and girls even. And all of a sudden, within two months, I went from being ranked number 60th in my high school class to being ranked number five. Mm. And when that happened, I said, holy moly, there really is nothing different between me and anybody who's ever achieved anything great in this world. Look what I just did. But it was all because I started listening every day on the Q53. I would transfer at Metropolitan Avenue to the Q54 or the next stoplight to the Q38. I would be listening to motivational videos each and every day. You got to work hard. Don't like really generic stuff, but mm -hmm. things that I never heard before. And it changed my life. So when asked, why do I want to be a speaker is because I want to be to somebody else what these speakers were to me. And I'm just really blessed to be where I am, having the coaches and mentors that I have and having the past experiences in life that I have because we all have a story. But sometimes in life, we can't understand the significance of our story until we see the significance that our story has on somebody else's story. So that is really, Dan, why I want to speak, to be for somebody else what everybody, all these other speakers were for me. That's, that's extraordinary. Uh, you also talk about uh, supporting people and living a life of impact, fulfillment, and contribution. Can you talk about your mission and your purpose? It, it's definitely, it sounds like you developed a, a winner's mindset, obviously, and, and you help others with the same. Well, absolutely, Dan. And the reason why that came about was a practice that I recommend everybody do. It came from a book, two books, primarily not primarily. The first book it came from, same author, are The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which probably everybody listening to this knows by Stephen Covey. And he has one of his chapters called First Things First. It has to do all things with, with planning your day, your month, et cetera, time management, quote unquote, because he kind of differentiates himself from that. But the four quadrants of time of urgent, not important, not urgent, important, and so forth. But one of the things that, and it was so important that chapter, First Things First, that he developed his own book called First Things First. And I read that book and it talked about creating a personal mission statement. So in that personal mission statement that I crafted, my sole purpose is to empower people to live principle-focused lives through the virtues of contribution, fulfillment, and living for a purpose higher than oneself. So when I thought about it, I said, well, I want to live a life. Number one, I only have one life to live, Dan. And the way that I look at this, everybody who's ever achieved anything great, they spent their life doing something greater. So when I look at it, it was Miles Monroe also who once said that it is not about length of life, but depth of life. He said, it's not about how long you live, but how effectively you live. And I've had some experiences in my life that have really made me reflect and say, what is truly important in life? Because a lot of the times we get caught up in the rat race of life. And yeah. for me, Dan, I'm sure you heard me share the story with my grandmother. The thing, the story that really, it just had a light shine on it. And, and it was one of those epiphany moments was when I went to my grandmother's house when I was about 16 years old after coming back from an internship in Manhattan. 
I stopped by a house. She was the type of woman who would cook for you in case you came over. I mean, come on. I've never met a person like this that would cook for you in case you came up. That, it, it's, that's crazy. I love her. My nonna Bruna, four foot 11, but boy, was she a powerhouse. I should so have I met my mom. House. She did that too. <laughs> wow. I don't know, Dan. I, wow. I, I wish I would have met your mother. That sound, that is the type of woman that I would have been delighted to yeah. have a dinner with. Not, wow. not to interrupt you, but uh, I had friends that came over from school and she would make these huge, it was incredible, these huge uh, pallets of food. It's anyway, didn't mean to interject, but it's. Oh, um, isn't funny. that a beautiful thing though? It the is. type of the type of person that she was. That is amazing and admirable. So I went by my grandmother's house and she had food for me nonetheless. And she said, Devin, sit down, enjoy the dinner. I said, Okay, no, no, I will. She said, Devin, how you doing today? She barely spoke. Like, Grandma, I'm doing so good. So mm. we broke, we we sat down, we broke bread together. We have the nice about two foot long Italian bread. We yeah. have some mozzarella with some olive oil, dip the bread in, put some mozzarella, some peppers, eat it. Mm, that tastes so good. Sat down, had some pasta. We had a whole delicious meal. She was drinking her, her and my grandfather always drank red wine every day. It was like it was like a medication for them. They drank about a glass a day. They swore by it. These old Italians, I love them. <laughs> so eventually, at the end of the, the the meal, and we just had so much fun together. Of course, after the meal, she brings out these all these Italians that are known. They're they're called S cookies, and they're literally shaped in an S. And they were just my favorite. You dip you dump them in milk. Oh, we just had a great time. Uh -huh. And at the end, she stops and she says, "Devin, and I was about to leave." I usually give him a, a big hug as I'm about to leave. I say, she said, she turned to me and she said, Devin, I have to ask you something. I said, what is it, grandma? She said, would you sleep over tonight? I really, really, really miss you. It's been so long. You, you grew up with me, Devin, but you haven't slept over in months and I would love for you to sleep over today. So will you? And I kind of sat there and I said, uh, I don't know. So I said, Grandma, listen, tomorrow I got to go back to the, to the city. I got to go back to Manhattan for the internship. So I'll tell you what, it would take me 10 more minutes to get to work from here than it would to get to work from my house. So I said, how about this, Grandma? I'll just sleep over next weekend. Uh -huh. And I could see her eyes kind of go down a little bit. She, her eyebrows just kind of fell and she said, oh, okay. So, okay, okay. Okay, okay, Devin, no problem. Listen, a nonna loves you. And I said, Grandma, how old are you now? I forgot. She says, I'm, I'm a 77. And when I finish a 77, I turn a 78, okay? <laughs> I said, oh, okay, that's right, my beautiful model. And then I, I got up and I left. Well, five short days later, the next time that I saw my grandmother, it was in a hospital as I ran through the ICU department, running after her on a stretcher bed you know when they wheel you off and they were wheeling her off to emergency surgery because uh -huh. a couple of days prior she had a massive heart attack at five o'clock in the morning after going into the hospital for a st simple stomach pain yeah. she had a massive heart attack and little did we know it at the time it turned her blood septic and when they went to go perform surgery they noticed that all of her major organs was were dead and there was nothing that they can do now so they made they gave us a decision they said, family, are you going to, quote, unquote, pull the plug? Or do you want to let her live supported by life support? And we said, you know what? We're just going to pull the plug. And as I sat there, we, they wheeled her up to her room. We met her in the room. They said, family, listen, 
This could either take five minutes for her to pass on or it could take five years. We don't know. All it depends is on what she has left. Well, sure enough, oh, in the first couple minutes, it was obvious that she was about to go on to the next life. So I knelt down by her bed and I said, Grandma, I love you so much, Grandma. Listen, Grandma, I wish I could do anything to go back and get that answer back. All I want to do, Grandma, is to say, yes, I'll sleep over. Oh, Grandma, I wish I would have said I slept over. And I said, Grandma, listen, I'm going to make you one promise in life. And that one promise is that I am always going to make you proud. And in that moment, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I committed to excellence in that moment. I had someone text me about six months ago. They said, Devin, I'm, I'm having a hard time staying committed to myself. Hmm. And I said, the reason why you're having a hard time staying committed to yourself is because you're not committed to something greater than yourself. When I committed to my grandmother that day, that was my commitment to excellence, that I have a standard to uphold, not for me, but for her. And as she passed on, I gave her a kiss on the forehead. I grabbed her left hand and I said, Grandma, I love you so much. And then I left her room. And as soon as I left her room, I just broke down. My hands went on my knees. I was bent over and I was just, <laughs> I was just destroyed because of the regret that, my, that was filled in my heart of how silly was I to believe that next weekend would come. Oh God, what I would do to have that next weekend back. Yeah. So now I'm really on a mission, Dan, after having that experience. You see, my grandmother no longer lives with me, but she certainly lives in me. Mm -hmm. And she really enabled me to see, and it's crazy. As crazy as this is about to sound, my grandmother's, get, my grandmother's death was the greatest gift that she could have ever given me because she taught me how to live, what life should actually look like. And that's not waiting for tomorrow to do something that's actually important because you have work or something related to money to do today or tomorrow. So do today when you're 95, 6, 97, 98 years old, when you look back. You see, we don't remember the things that the work days. So we remember the time that we spent. I would have never forgotten, similarly to how I never forgot how I told her next weekend, I would have never forgot if I said, Grandma, I will sleep over. I would have never forgotten those last hours that I spent with her. But instead, I was so focused on, oh, I got to go to work, 10 minutes. Can you imagine 10 minutes? I didn't sacrifice 10 minutes. And then I was never able to see my grandmother again. But she taught me how to live and to show me that you have to focus on what is actually important in life. And that's those around you, the contribution that you make, and the legacy that you're eventually going to leave. So that when you die, yes, your body might leave, but the world will never forget you. Wow, that's a truly powerful story. Uh, something similar happened to me as well, actually. I won't bring that up, but it was with my mom before she, she had passed. So, uh, but thank you for sharing that story that especially with our listeners, I'm, I'm sure is, you know, it really touched my soul. Uh, I, I also wanted to talk about your, your book that you just, uh, released. Actually, I got a, I got a copy of it and, uh, I wanted to share that with, with our, our listeners as well. The storyteller's journal, let me just point it up. The storyteller's journal, a speaker guide to living intentionally i'd love for you to talk about your your new book that you just released well yeah dan you see this is this is nothing in comparison to what is about to come out and to be honest with you i produced this well okay 
there are some things in life that come to you. We have these ideas that come out of nowhere, and somehow they're God-given ideas. There's a man that once said that there's a difference between a God idea and a good idea. A good idea is just the ones that kind of come and go, but a God idea is something that just is implanted in your mind, and no matter how hard you try to get it out, it just persists and persists and persists. Well, a couple months ago, about eight months ago, I had an idea come to my mind. I would really love to create a journal for speakers. And this was when I just started to work with Les Brown and so forth, and I was really loving speaking and all of this. So mm -hmm. I said, what about a speaker's journal? Oh, storytelling, because stories change people's lives. Never tell a story without a point, never tell a point without a story. So I'm right. really passionate about storytelling. So I said, well, and then an idea just came to me. It just said, well, why don't you give people a resource that will enable people to take seemingly ordinary daily experiences and turn them into extraordinary stories. Because the thing is, is that most people, as Bob Proctor once said, most people act or they live like a leaf in the wind, just being blown wherever. Oh, I'm gonna go this direction today. Oh, I'm gonna go that direction today. And they go to work nine to five. By the way, I've definitely been included in this sometimes still. And you just sit there and you say to yourself, what happened today? Life just went by and you take away nothing from it. But I am a firm believer that every day that you live is a day that you can develop a story. You can learn a lesson and I'll give everybody a short preview to the book or whatever the case may be. There's four questions that will enable you, right? A speaker's guide to living intentionally with intention, living every day, knowing that there is a lesson to be taken. So number one, the journal is a 90 day, 90 day journal. There's a bunch of things in it, but with the main exercises is a daily guided journal. So the first question is, what is one experience I had today that taught me a lesson? And you just simply describe the experience. What was it? Oh, I was walking my dog down the block, blah, 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 blah. And then this happened. Okay, cool. You don't mention anything about the lesson. Number mm -hmm. two, what is the lesson that I learned from today's experience? Oh, when I saw the woman pulling the dog and then this thing happened and this thing happened, this is the lesson that I take away from it. Boom. So now you have a story and you have a lesson. The third part is what are some powerful questions that I can reflect on and also have an audience reflect on? Okay, now you have a way to connect with people, a powerful question. And then lastly, what are some quotes that I, could, that I can write down that will emphasize or add to the point or the lesson that I learned today? So now you have four things. You have a story, you have a lesson, you have a powerful question to connect with an audience, and you have a powerful quote to drive home your point and also connect with an audience. So by the time you go through this exercise on a daily basis, you have a presentation literally laid out and ready to go to be presented. And to cap it all off, the thing that I, add, I added it last minute is I put in the top left or right corner, depending upon the day, a topic box. Because we're asked to speak on a multitude of topics. So... The thing with me is I want to be a versatile speaker. I don't want to just speak on one thing, but I can't speak on, I want to speak on all topics. Yeah. Of course, having some of my signature speeches that I always go back to, but so the topic box enables people to put, okay, today was about fear. Today was about overcoming obstacles. Today was about the power of gratitude. So anytime somebody is asked to speak on fear, they can, and by the way, it's a fillable PDF. I intentionally did it like that because you can create a library, a digital library of stories. All you have to go is go, all you have to do is go in, press command F or control F and look up the word fear. 
and then it will populate for you all of the stories that you've categorized or that you've created based off of your daily experiences based on fear or overcoming obstacles or gratitude. So now you no longer have to worry about what am I going to say? Now it just comes down to what does the audience need to hear? So yeah, Dan, I came out with that, but I'm, I'm even more excited about my own personal book, which runs through the childhood and everything that we're talking about today, which is actually with the editor right now. So oh, nice. that will be ready for release in a, a few months or so. But yeah, that journal is 100% available and you can go to devinrodriguez.com if you wanted to pick up a copy of that. It's 25 bucks. Hey, take it or leave it, folks. All that I do know is that it will enable you to wake up each day and to look and say, what is the lesson that I am going to learn today? Oh. And, and I'll also put in our show notes and uh, give access to people as well. And at the end of the show, we'll, we'll also include your, uh, how people can contact you because that's, that's really important. Uh, I also wanted to touch upon, you've got a really great podcast. Uh, one life, the one life podcast. And I thought I'd, I'd love for you to share uh, a little bit about that. You had some, you've had many extraordinary guests on that podcast on your podcast, including Les Brown as one of them. I'd love to hear more about your podcast and, and, and how people can get access to it. We can also include the link and just get more information out there. Yeah, absolutely. Dan. And it, it my tagline is the one life. So basically when people think of, I have one life to live, I want people to think of me because it's really what I'm most passionate about and what I'm really passionate about enabling others to do, supporting others around. Not, I'm not, I'm not interested in making billions of dollars. No. Do I want to be rich? Oh, hell yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Of course. But I'm, I'm most passionate about enabling other people to see that I have one life to live. There's no time to wait. So I better act now. And I developed in, the podcast actually, Dan, started in 2018. And I started it, I said, I don't know, what do I want the podcast name to be? I said, wow, why don't I make it in tribute to my grandmother and what she taught me? What did she teach me? Oh, that I only have one life to live. Hmm. So I looked online. I think there was already one podcast called One Life Podcast. So I said, ah, whatever. I'll call it The One Life Podcast. So it is The One Life Podcast. And the goal of the show is to enable people to take full advantage of the one life that they have to live hmm. by developing the internal tools that are required to take full advantage of that one life. So we focus a lot on the things beneath the surface that people can't see that have made people successful. So I do a combination, usually on Tuesdays and Fridays, Tuesdays being a guest episode that I will release, and then Fridays being a shorter, much shorter solo episode that I will release. I am passionate about bringing to the world the very best thought leaders in multitudes of industries I've had on the number one customer service guru in the world named Ron Kaufman, who is an American, but now lives in Singapore. He loves it so much. He's never coming back. Chester hmm. Elton, who is a number four leadership guru in the world, right behind John Maxwell and Simon Sinek. And I think, you know, he's actually three. I've had on Ben Newman, a top 40 speaker in the world. I think four, three or four world record holding athletes, Les Brown, four-star general, CIA director, David Petraeus, Dennis oh, wow. Waitley. And I have a, a bunch more coming up that I'm really excited about. 
And I, I don't say any of that. Well, he had those people because there's definitely podcasts out there that have a way bigger people than I have had. But I say all of this because I like to bring people on who would be able to give a glimpse into what are the things that they've done inside of themselves <laughs> that have made them live a beautiful life and not only what they have, but the impact that they've made. So, Dan, the uh, yeah. we're on episode 81 right now. We're about to hit 50, 50 ratings with five stars. We need one more. I need one more, Dan. I need <laughs> one more to get 50. It's going to be good. But, yes, it is available on Apple iTunes, everywhere. Everywhere that you can listen to a podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I don't know, all, all of them. But all of it, yeah. But if you're, yeah, I would say primarily if you have an, an iPhone, I definitely recommend Apple Podcasts, just the easiest one to use. But if you're looking for a show that will enable you to look in the mirror and say, I am confident that I am headed in the right direction. And that one day when I look back, because my podcast isn't about living in the here and the now, really. It is. It's about being fully present. But it's about delaying instant gratification so that you can eventually look back on your life and say, I've built something and done something that I'm really proud of. And I've taken full advantage of the one life that I have to live. Oh, that's great. It's great that your grandmother also that was bestowing her, oh, yeah, her language to you as well. That's great. Uh, my other question, too, that I had, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but I know you're inspired, obviously, by your mentor, Les Brown. Uh, he inspires many of us. Uh, and I, I've been very fortunate to meet him as well. But uh, so you just actually came back uh, from, I know he had a big speaking event, too. I'd love to hear her more about that and and your uh your ability uh to actually be on stage and your presence and i know it was on august 14th not long ago yeah about a month ago or so a almost ago. a month ago exactly but yeah it was, it was a great experience it was great in particular because i was back in the place that you know i'm a firm believer that sometimes to live your dream you first have to experience your worst nightmare Mm -hmm. Dreams and Nightmares, a famous rap song by none other than the great, the great philosopher Meek Mill from the hard streets of Philadelphia. Dreams and Nightmares. And I believe that sometimes you have to live your nightmare in the same exact place that you will one day live your dream. So when I was there in New York, it was kind of like me living my dream literally about 20 minutes away from where I lived my worst nightmare. So to wow. be honest with you, that was the best part of the whole thing. That was kind of the, the, cream, uh, the cream on top. But I would say that as far as being able to be there and have Les Brown stand right behind me, literally right where these, these foam pads are and, and sit down in a chair and watch me speak, the way that I ended one of my presentations, because I did too, was that there's a quote by Henry David Thoreau. He says that when one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected during common hours. So what that quote really tells me is that when you're really found, when you've really found, excuse me, what it is that you really feel like God was calling or is calling you to do, and you pursue that thing no matter how long it takes, there's going to come a time where something just happens that you couldn't expect. That you're just one day something happens boom clicks and then now you've somehow put yourself in a position that you only once dreamt of so for me that is what that was like see 
And the way that I ended it was that when my parents used to ask me when I was 14, 15, 16, just starting to listen to all of this, they said, Devin, what do you want to do when you get older? I said, Mommy, Daddy, I want to be like him. They said, like who? I said, like him. Who, Devin? I said, like Les Brown. And now I here I am talking right in front of Les Brown. So for me, it was just crazy, and it exemplified how when you stay on course and you don't allow anyone else to determine your future for you except for you, eventually, as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, when you make a decision, when you actually know what you want and you're committed to that one thing, the universe will conspire to make it happen for you. And I, the best part, Dan, I got to meet a bunch of friends, meet a lot of people that we only seen over Zoom, and it was just a great experience. It felt like a big family. It was a well-put-together event, and I was just very happy and, and honored and privileged to be a small part of it. Yeah, that's great. And you and you moved on from the past. Oh, so yeah. That, that, that's, that's the amazing thing. It's You got to, you know, not only live your dream, but just get rid of that stuff that was holding you back. Oh, yeah, Dan, I move on very quickly from everything, even my successes. I don't really talk about stuff too much because it doesn't really make sense. I'm never going to go back there and relive it. So it's always on to the next thing. It's yeah. always on to the It's not always easy, though, Dan. I'll say to the listeners, maybe there's something that there's someone that can relate. The one area in my life that it, I don't live like that all the time is with my diet. For example, mm. if I'm training for a race or something, as soon as the race is over, I'll eat, I'll eat a cake or something like that. And then that will just lead down a, a, a negative slope. So I don't want anyone that's listening to this to think, whoa, he's so positive. He's that I'm human too. If there's anyone that you ever see on social media or anywhere that tells you that they don't have their struggles or they don't mess up or they don't think negatively, they're lying to you. It's mm. a lie because we all have our struggles and sure. I'm no different than anybody, but sometimes our struggles just look different from those around us. Yeah, that's true. Very true. And I, and I also know you mentioned too, you used to do bodybuilding as well. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I did. I did bodybuilding for about two years. Very seriously. I had a coach who was a professional bodybuilder. I cooked six meals a day and I was 16. I remember the guys used to come up to me in the gym. They said, Hey man, what do you want? I said, well, I'm, I'm taking some whey protein, some you know, I take some BCAAs once in a while. He said, no, man, what are you really on? So what do you mean? He's like, what oh. steroids? I said, no, man, I'm not on any steroids. But I loved it. And, and I really loved bodybuilding. And mm. then it came to a point where I just didn't love it no more. But mm. now it's so funny, the contrast. I went from bodybuilding and having big muscles to now still being a pretty muscular guy, but nowhere near that. I'm, I'm in shape. I'm in good shape to now running 104 miles at one time where if you ask a bodybuilder that, they, their bodybuilders are lucky if they can run a quarter of a mile. So right. it's just crazy how I've, I've gone from that to that. And it's just, it's, it's incredible what our bodies could do when yes. we put our mind to it. Yeah, a lot of transformation. Oh yeah. You, you've gone through a lot of transformation. This is great. I, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, is there anything that you love to leave with our listeners too uh, about, I don't know, could be about motivation, about just anything that you'd want to leave with, with people that, that they can learn not only from you, but also improve or build. And, and also the other thing is I'd love for people to be able to get access to contact you as well. Yeah, sure, Dan. And I'll share a story that is relevant for our time here today oh, I'd love that. as it being September 12th. 
Yeah. So there was once a woman who 20 years ago, she was headed late. She was headed to work and it was one of those mornings where she was making her coffee. She was running late to work. She was tripping over her heels. She was late for the subway, but eventually she hopped on the subway. She was staring out the window into New York City, Manhattan, as she did every day. She worked in the financial industry and she got off the train and she walked into the World Trade Center and she got in a couple minutes late. So it was about 8.30 or so, which is typically late for her. She goes up, she goes to the 13th floor. She's sitting there and she's uh, taking out her equipment or whatever she has to do, putting down her bag, taking off her blazer. So she's just in her nice dress shirt, sitting down with all her colleagues around her. And all of a sudden she feels the tower shake. Mm. And everybody around her thought, what the hell was that? And they said, well, it was probably nothing. It was probably just a little earthquake or something. The plates moved or something of the sort. Nobody really paid it much attention. Then shortly, uh, as they turned on the TVs, obviously there was on the TV that the tower had been hit. So everybody listening, what would you think or how would you feel if you were in a, a tower the largest buildings out there, and it's been hit by a plane. Mm. And the woman started to freak out, and everybody in there started to freak out, started to run, started to, but the thing was, you couldn't use the elevator because they didn't want you to be trapped in the elevator. They weren't letting anybody down the stairs because they had a, you had to be escorted out by firefighters. So this woman and all of her colleagues were freaking out. I can't imagine what that is like. God, no. Eventually, this woman... And all her colleagues on the 13th floor of the World Trade Center, they were being taken out, going down the stairs. And finally, the woman with debris all over her head with just, you can't even recognize her at this point because of the color that she is, the gray, musty color from all of the debris that's fallen on her. She escapes the building and she's safe. And finally, the woman is running away, literally running, because everybody is terrified, as, you, as we've all seen watching the documentaries and stuff, with that gray ominous cloud chasing them and all this woman could do as she literally turned back to the towers and looked at them all that was running through her mind was am i going to see my baby boy tonight am i going to make it home to my baby boy tonight and here we are on september 12th one day after the 20th anniversary and my mother was able to make it home that that next day she wasn't able to get home that night because the Trains were shut down, but all she could think about was, am I going to see my baby boy tonight? And my mother still struggles when that day comes, September 11th. She relives that experience. It feels like she was actually there that day again, every single year. And there's a couple of points that I want to take people to take away from my mother's experience in that, in that building. That sometimes, this is a James Baldwin quote. He says, sometimes people are trapped in history and history is trapped in them. Meaning sometimes things are gonna happen to us similar to what happened to my mother and thousands of others that day that sometimes if people say, ah, just put it behind you, forget it. That's not practical. There's some things that are going to happen to us in life that we can't put behind us. It's impossible to put a tower being hit and you running for your life behind you. So sometimes people are going to be trapped in history. Sometimes you might be trapped in your history. 
and your history might be trapped in you. But the number number two, my mother left the buildings and she started to run. I don't know what people are going through. I pray to God, not ever running from a building again. But sometimes the history that you are trying to escape, you can't just continue to tiptoe away from. Sometimes you have to run, just like my mother did. She ran away from it. Get far away from what is holding you back in your life. The, the history that you are trapped in, yes, you're always going to remember it. But if you just simply step out of the building and stay there, you're never going to distance yourself and go move on to who God called you to be. So I would say similar to how my mom and so many other that day ran away. And I'm just thinking that so many weren't able to, and it just really keeps my heart heavy. We're always praying for those individuals and their families that as my mom walked away that day, it, it teaches me the lesson that sometimes we do have to be willing to run away from the past and disconnect ourselves. Number three, sometimes it's a matter of, am I going to see my baby boy tomorrow? Now, you might not ever say that. Am I going to see my baby boy tomorrow? But my mother, what did she do? Yes, she's still affected, but she ran away. But once she ran away, she looked back. And she asked a question, am I going to see my baby boy tonight? Uncertainty. In life, as we run away from the past and towards our future, we are going to be filled with uncertainty. Now, the uncertainty won't be as significant as my mother's that day. Will I live? But sometimes it's, will I succeed? Will I fail? What's going to happen? But the thing that I want to point out about the next thing that my mother did was that she never gave up. My mother has 16 herniated and slit discs, emphysema, COPD, not all of that caused from the World Trade Center. She smoked a couple cigarettes here and there, but she's never stopped moving. So four things that I want you to take away. Number one, sometimes you are going to be trapped in your history. Don't try to be impractical and say, I'm not. I, sometimes in the personal development industry, just put it behind you. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead and meditate on it and it will be all better. That's a bunch of nonsense in my opinion. Number one, understand that some things are always going to stay with you because of how traumatic they were. Number two, understand that they will be with you and sometimes they will hurt you, but you have to start distancing yourself from them by running away from the past and start running towards your future. The third thing that I wanted you to take away from, as I mentioned my mother, and this is really a tribute to all of those that, that suffered and continue to suffer, is that sometimes you got to look back. And there's going to be some, some uncertainty as you look back on the distance that you've covered. And sometimes you're going to say, yeah, I've gone that far, but look how much further is ahead. My mother said, am I going to live? For you, it might be, am I going to win? But my mother won. She's winning. She's living life every day, moving forward. My parents just came back from four days in whatever resort they were in. Always going away, these two. They're living life, enjoying it. She's winning. But she's only winning because she didn't quit. 
She didn't quit despite all of the things that she's gone through, all the depressions, all the 16 herniated and slit discs, the towers coming down, her not being sure if she was going to escape that building. But she never quit. And I'll end on this. Thomas Edison once said that most people are failures in life because they didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. So how close are you? I understand that your history is daunting. It is haunting you, and sometimes it might even keep you awake. But you have to begin distancing yourself, embracing the uncertainty, but most of all, never giving up. And eventually there will come a day similar to how that day came for me in the eighth grade when that Miss Donahue raised my hand and said, Devin is the president of PS47, where you, after going through pain for so long, because you outlasted the pain, the devil says, I guess I got to go try somebody else because he or she just won't give in. So Dan, you only got one life to live and there's no time to wait. So everybody listening, we better act now. Yeah, that's, that's extraordinary. I'm, I'm so sorry your mom went through that, by the way. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, I was just talking about, well, maybe I should do a show, you know, and focused on supporting those who have, uh, lost loved ones during September 11th, which was a, a really horrific day in America, uh, one of the worst days in America, but, um, just to have you on to tell that extraordinary sh story was was a gift, and and I truly yeah, appreciate and Dan, that. Dan, it, 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 I want to. I made a podcast episode about it, and I don't want any. I'm not saying that for people to go listen to it. I'm just saying right. that because it, it really is, Dan. I, and I, I know that you concur with me that we are, we have to love without question. Yeah. And especially a day like yesterday and today, and as we continue to mourn, just love without question, despite the skin color, the tone, the political view. Love without question. What would the world look like if we did, Dan? And I, 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 I just remembered that you told me to share where people could find me. So where you can contact yes. me, you can go to DevinRodriguez.com, D-E-V-E-N, there we go. And yeah, a lot of people, E-N, yes, D-E-V-E-N, Rodriguez.com. You can also contact me directly in my email at Devin, at DevinRodriguez.com. Oh, so there it is. There it is right there. And yeah, Dan, that's, that's, and also social media. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Devin Rodriguez, Facebook, Devin Rodriguez, Instagram, the one place where Devin Rodriguez was already taken by someone that doesn't even use it. So now oh. you gotta follow, now you gotta follow me. I'll never, I don't know who the person is, but I got a bone to pick. It's at, <laughs> at I am, I am Devin Rodriguez. So Dan, thank you for having me. I couldn't and even get Dan really Gilman. That? I, I couldn't even get Dan Gilman. Wow. So I have like Dan underscore Gilman underscore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. Anyway, Devin, thank you so much. I wish we had more time. It was uh, just a wonderful conversation. And hopefully you can come on again at some point. I'd love to also talk about your new upcoming book when it comes out. And that would be wonderful. Anyway, thank Let's you so much. Let's make it happen. That would be wonderful. Well, thank you again. Thank this you, Dan. Is... It's been a real honor and a privilege. And everybody listening, you have a great host in Mr. Dan Gilman. He's oh, one of a kind. Thank you so much. This is Dan Gilman, and this is Discover Your Potential. Remember, as my mother always used to say, do something nice for yourself, but do something wonderful and, and even nicer for somebody else. Thank you. This is Cindy Gilman, and you're listening to Discover Your Potential. So until next time, do something nice for yourself but do something nice for someone else.